everyone. My name is Jonathan Hewitt, and welcome to the Conservative Voice Show, your place for honest, controversial, and the hottest in political conversations. Hey, everybody. So welcome back to the Conservative Voice Show. We have like actually a really big day today. So Rudy Giuliani and the rest of the senior members of Trump's legal team held a press conference yesterday, right? Finally giving us what we've been asking for for like weeks now, right? So they presented at least a like opening statement or like an overview of the evidence that of like of all their claims, like the evidence of all the potential voter fraud and voter irregularities and everything that's been happening across the nation while they finally presented that evidence. So today... The whole episode, we're just going to go down, dive into what he said. Um, I looked up a news article that we'll go over later from 2012. I dove into the um, Michigan lawsuit, and, and we'll go over another affidavit that he didn't cover inside his press conference. So, big day. But before I get started, I just wanted to take a second to recognize like a true American hero and patriot. His name is Adam Jazeski. He was born in Beaufort, South Carolina where he became a volunteer firefighter after graduating high school. Um, after that, he moved on to becoming a full-time DOD firefighter and EMT on Paris Island. Um, he currently is a um, concealed weapons permit instructor where he provides fellow Americans with, like, with their ability to express their Second Amendment right legally. He also is a competitive shooter focusing on the USPSA Steel Challenge in IDPA. He's a devout husband and excellent father to his two spectacular daughters. He's an American that has committed his life to public service, and in doing so, he believes in the things that make America the greatest nation in the world. Those things being honor, courage, patriotism, commitment to duty, and selfless service. And he shares all of these traits with one of the best companies in the world, and that's Nine Line Apparel, where he's a brand ambassador. Adam embodies the traits of the American patriots that came before him through his commitment to duty and country. So you can follow Adam's competition journey on Parlor and Instagram at AJEZ153. Again, that is AJEZ153. Okay, go over there, show him some love. He's, I know him personally, he's an awesome guy. He's funny and he's an American's American, all right? You can also visit Nine Line Apparel's website and use the code AJEZ20, A-G, I'm sorry, AJEZ20 for 20% off online orders. Supporting a company that supports not only our heroes, but America. Again, you can go onto Nine Apparel's website and use the code AJEZ20 for 20% off all online orders. All right? So he's an American, he's a hero, and go over there and show this American hero the support that he deserves and then show the support to the, co- to the company that supports those American heroes. All right, so we got a lot to go over, so let's jump right into it, all right? So yesterday, Rudy Giuliani and other members of Trump's legal team held a press conference and covering everything that they've uncovered, or a majority of what they've uncovered in the investigations that they've had going on in the different states where voter regularities and voter fraud allegations have been made. So I'm just going to kind of go in order that he went in and just go over what he said, and then we'll talk about it. And then at the very end, we'll cover any last minute topics. 
And then tomorrow we will cover um, the lawsuits that will hopefully come in Georgia and Arizona if they do. And then any information and responses from like the FBI, DOJ, things like that to this press conference. All right, so in Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania Trump is behind 69,140 votes, according to Giuliani. Um, there were 682,770 ballots that not, did not receive any inspection, meaning that there are over 650,000, 682,000 ballots that were cast that did not receive the inspection of both a Democrat and Republican poll watcher to ensure that whatever was going was legitimate. And so that's a lot of ballots. When you figure that's, all, that's over half a million people's ballots that just were not inspected to ensure that signatures were there, that there was no tampering of the, of the ballot, that the ballots were dated correctly. All the requirements of the law states has to be present. No one was there to witness that, all right? So inspection of the ballots is how we ensure that there is no fraud and that there is no funny business going on, right? That it, that the ballots don't got no hanky-panky going on. So, do I think that this necessarily is the direct issue? No. I think that whatever's going on with the ballots is actually the direct issue, but this issue here is what facilitates the ability for that to happen, right? If there's poll watchers, they're like ensuring the ballot is legitimate, then theoretically you shouldn't have any ballots that are illegitimate. But if no one's watching it, then who knows what's happening to those ballots? Like, no one knows, right? And that's something that we should be worried about. So in Pennsylvania, there are sworn affidavits that say that in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, if mistakes were made on the ballots, that there were people that were allowed to fix them. So this came down from the Secretary of State of uh, Pennsylvania saying in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, if there were mistakes, then those voters could then fix, fix those mistakes, recast their ballots so their ballot could be counted. However, this was not allowed in other parts of the state. Rudy Giuliani states that like Republican areas of the state or more neutral areas of the state, states that may be pro-Trump, they were not extended the same right as other members in other citizens of Pennsylvania inside Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. And he goes on to say that this is a violation of the Equal um, Protection Clause of the Constitution. And for those of you that don't know what the Equal Protection Clause is, the 14th Amendment in its first section, pretty much states that the states can make no law that impedes on your rights. And then it goes on to say that nor should they make any law that can deny any person equal protection of the law. So therefore saying, okay, well, these people can do this and they're allowed to do this legally, but this other people, this other group of people who would be able to do the exact same thing can't because of whatever reason. And Rudy Giuliani states that that is one clear, provable, like, violation of the 14th Amendment. So I have a feeling that this, honestly, is going to go to the Supreme Court for adjudication and that there's going to be some form of, like, a justice dissent on how that's going to go. I do not believe that, one, Pennsylvania is just going to let that go over. And then if it's ruled against the Trump campaign, Rudy Giuliani and Trump's legal team is going to appeal that. We can almost guarantee that, right? So, another reason why is because there is no law in Pennsylvania that states that this can be done. The Secretary of State just made it up. 
which also goes to say that how much authority does this Supreme, I'm sorry, the Secretary of State have? Because according to the U.S. Constitution, the state legislators are in charge of legislating election law. Not someone, not a Secretary of State, not a cabinet member that is just going to make up new rules when it benefits them. So there's definitely some like constitutional legality issues inside Pennsylvania for sure. So, but this is something that we will see over and over again that they bring up. It's just how clear of a violation of the separation of powers and the state officials overstepping their boundaries is it, right? So in another signed affidavit, Rudy says that there were 15,000 provisional ballots given in Pittsburgh. So a provisional ballot pretty much means that I go in and I'm like, hey man, like, yo dog, I'm here to vote, let me vote, right? And they go, hey, Mr. Hewitt, I'm sorry to tell you, you already voted. And I'm like, no, no, I didn't. I'm here to vote, I want my sticker, let me vote. And they're like, no, you can't vote, you already voted. And well, like, no, no, I didn't vote. So what they do is they give me a provisional ballot. And then I fill that out and I cast my vote, right? But the problem is, is that, let's say I'm some deplorable and I'm really, really trying to rig the system, right? And I'm just like, like a really crappy, like shitty person. Well, I go and I fill out my mail ballot. Mail that bad boy in, right? And then I go down there and I'm like, no, I didn't vote. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Well, then ultimately they give me a provisional ballot. So now I've cast my absentee ballot, but I've also casted my in-person or early person ballot, right? So that's 15,000 people. Let's say that that wasn't, let's say that for whatever reason, like playing devil's advocate that those weren't fraudulent, right? You're telling me that 15,000 people, 15,000 people just one day forgot that they casted a mail-in ballot. Like, hey man, I know I've been hearing this all over the news that mail-in ballots are bad and there's a risk of fraud and they've been reminding me and pushing me, especially in Democrat-led cities, mail-in ballots, mail-in ballots, mail-in ballots. But I just happened to forget that I submitted a mail-in ballot? No, absolutely not. Or, or it's like Rudy Giuliani said, it's the latter and they just wanted to have double votes, right? So this right here is the problem in itself, right? And for me anyway, and I can probably safely assume that there are millions of Americans that agree with this, is that do I want Trump to win? Yes, I do. Do I want Trump to win legally? Absolutely. Do I want Trump to win illegal? Illegally, absolutely not. What I care about is preserving the integrity of our election and to whatever end, right? Like, I don't care which way it goes. And that's the way every single American should be, is that it doesn't matter if it flips it on Joe Biden or if it, through the investigations, found that Joe Biden did legally win the election. I'm okay with that because what I care about more is preserving our republic and the integrity of our elections because that, the idea of our elections is what makes us so different, right? Like you can go to Venezuela, which we'll talk about later, and how Hugo Chavez rigged the elections. You can go to other Demo like dictator countries and communist countries where they say they have a free and open election, but they do not, and it just perpetuates one single party being in power, right? Or one single person being in power. And so our ability to hold these free and open elections that actually matter and that the American voice is actually heard is what makes us different. So in Pennsylvania, moving, well, moving on, in Pennsylvania, there are witnesses that were told 
when votes come in without a name to just attach, like without a name attached to it, so like they get a, a ballot and there's no name on it or they forget to sign it or whatever, to just assign it a name. Like there's witnesses of that. There are people who are writing in affidavits that, right? And Rudy Giuliani, if you ever, if you watch it, which I strongly urge you do, and I will leave a link down below to a YouTube video that it's being broadcasted on, right? Um, I strongly suggest you go watch it. But he talks about the penalty of perjury, right? So these people that we're going over today are doing something that not a lot of people will do, right? And they're saying that, yes, I swear or affirm that what I'm telling you is true. And if it is not, you can put me in prison for perjury, right? If this is this is not true, all of these affidavits, the thousands of affidavits they have, those are thousands of Americans that could theoretically go to jail if they're lying, right? So I think that a lot of people like need to understand like a witness testimony or a witness statement or an affidavit, especially a signed affidavit, holds so much merit because that is someone talking through their knowledge. That's their own knowledge, right? So the cop, let's say, right? Someone tells you something, like in a case, and you're investigating, and then you write that in your report. That is not your knowledge. You are just testifying to what they told you. That's that actual person who witnessed it and who told you it, they are the true and accurate witness. They are the first person eyewitness to the incident. So they're swearing to their knowledge. And I think that it would be wrong of America to kind of like just toss this aside, right? Like, do I know if they're lying? No, but I would say that if they're willing to swear into the penalty of perjury, then more than likely they're not lying, especially with how big of a case this is. All right. With, like just moving on like to out of like the idea of like witnesses and things like that, everyone's gonna wanna say that there's like, we need evidence, we need evidence, we need evidence. Well, an eyewitness testimony or an assigned affidavit, that is evidence. That is direct evidence. That is someone saying, I saw this, this happened, this is what I saw, right? But everyone's gonna want it's like physical evidence. So like in murders, you have like gunshots and you have bullets and you have shell cases and you have blood and you have DNA and you have all this physical evidence that substantiates the claims, right? But how do you get physical evidence when it's all thrown away? How do you find that? Because I can probably guarantee you, you're not going to find the secrecy sleeves or the envelopes that all these ballots came from, right? And that's what Rudy points out when he speaks about Georgia, is you can recount Georgia all you want. The problem is, is that you're just recounting suspected fraudulent votes. So you're pretty much saying, hey, I got 100 fraudulent votes, guys. Well, let's re recount 100 fraudulent votes and add that to the total, because there's no way to see if a vote from Joe Blow had a signature on it, matched his name, match the qualified um, voters list, all of that, no, there's nothing that says any of that, right? So how do you say that this vote that you're recounting is actually good and not fraudulent? And so a recount in Georgia is just going to reaffirm that there was however many votes casted, not how many votes were actually legal votes casted. So we all know how like the court system has been just a little bit wonky, right? So in Pennsylvania, originally, remember, the poll watchers, Republican poll watchers, were not being allowed in. And a lower court of Pennsylvania 
allowed this to happen. Like they're like, yeah, that's fine. Trump um, they appealed it, went to the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania. They overturned it. So they, they have to allow all party poll watchers in there to watch if they want. And so in 50 or 60 affidavits signed under the penalty of perjury say that the Republican poll watchers were not allowed to view the ballots and were corralled a good distance away. Now, I don't know the actual distance, but it said that it was far enough away that you could not read signatures. You could not read any of the like names, addresses, any of the identifying information needed to ensure the ballot was legitimate. Right, so that is what they have going on in Pennsylvania and they're bringing those forward in the lawsuits. And so everyone who says, oh, well, there's no evidence, well, that is the evidence. Now, it's up to a court to decide that, right? Um, we're gonna move on to Michigan now, and this one's actually really big. I'm actually really, really happy with this. Like, actually really happy. One, because this was a place in the news, like the press conference, that they actually like said, hey guys, like, you see this? Like this is my, this is the legitimate affidavit. Like I have it, I'm reading directly from it, which is really, really good for them, right? Like now there's nothing that can be said, oh, well it's misleading, you're making it up. No, these are legitimate legal documents. So a few days ago in Michigan, we remember that Trump's campaign dropped the lawsuit, which was Trump v. Benson, which pretty much what they wanted was they wanted the Wayne County um, Board of Canvassers to not certify their votes. And then the other day, the Republicans, the two Republicans were like, kind of like harassed, threatened, and like coerced into saying yes, they'll certify it, and they retracted that. And now they're right affidavit saying that they were coerced, felt threatened into making those, that decision. So it's kind of been, um, that's, that certification in Wayne County has been reversed as of right now, right? So the reason why this was such a big deal is because the margin between Trump and Biden and Michigan is about 146,000 votes, right? Like that's substantial. Like in order to have that overturned, you have to have substantial proof of some form of voter fraud. According to Rudy Giuliani, there's about 300,000 illegitimate ballots in Michigan. Of those 300,000 ballots that were illegitimate, according to the affidavits, a majority of them were in Wayne County, which for those of you who don't know Wayne County, um, houses Detroit, a good portion of Detroit. So Trump's campaign says they may have dropped the, well, no, they didn't say it. they did drop the lawsuit. However, even though they dropped the lawsuit, a woman by the name of Cher Cheryl, and I'm sure I'm going to like just screw this name up, Constantino is bringing her own lawsuit. And for all that we know, for all that I know, she's not a member of the Trump's campaign. She's not being paid by them for as far as we know. And the lawsuit brings forward some like, pretty serious allegations. Like I read the lawsuit, like I skimmed over and read it and it's like 78 pages long, like full of allegations and affidavits and supporting evidence and documents to support those allegations, right? So I would, I would urge you guys, go online, read it, look over it. So then when you look at it, which I'll get to, when you look at the mainstream media, this press conference isn't anywhere on the news. Like you have Fox News covering it, of course, but CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, you don't see it anywhere in the mainstream media news. Could you imagine if Republicans were being accused of this? Every single, they would be burning the cities down. There would be every news agency in the nation would have a, a headline news 
Republicans may have steal the, the like race or whatever. You know, like Republicans steal election. Republicans fraudulently won election. Election fraud all over in the Republican Party. You can imagine what the headline news of CNN, Washington Post, New York Times would be, right? But you don't see that. So I would urge you, go read this, okay? I'll go over it. I'll tell you the allegations that are being made. I'll, we'll read a few of the um, supporting affidavits and what they're claiming. But I would support, I would urge you, go read it. So the allegations in Constantino v. City of Detroit um, say that there was a forging of ballots on the qualified voter list, illegal voter coaching and identification issues, changing ballots on changing dates on ballots, illegal double voting transparency. Deni- I'm sorry, there was illegal double voting, no transparency and denied access. Um, qualified voter file access restrictions, absentee ballot signature issues, and unsecured ballots, right? So those are the main allegations that are made inside that lawsuit. They also cover things like Equal Protection Act violations and statutory law violations. So a signed affidavit by Jesse Jacobs, she cited some like, actually some like really serious issues when you think about it. I'm gonna run through them all, then we'll go back up and we'll talk about them. She was told allegedly by a supervisor to adjust the date on the ballot to be dated earlier than before they were actually sent in. She witnessed election officials walk with people, view their ballots and who they were voting for, and then coach them on who they needed to vote for. She was instructed not to ask for identification. She observed several people that would come into the satellite locations to vote, but had already um, requested an absentee ballot and then was allowed to vote. She was instructed to not invalidate ballots or check them for any discrepancies. On November 4th, she was instructed to predate ballots that that were received to before 8 p.m. on November 3rd, regardless of what date they were actually received. So, going back to the first one, there is a a severe issue if you're talking about changing dates, right? Because November 3rd is the election day. We don't have election days till now, right? Like ballots should not be still being counted. We should not be still accepting ballots that are just found miraculously, right? Or you shouldn't be able to just cast a ballot now and it be counted. Um, There's some very, very, very big voter suppression and intimidation issues. If you have somebody from the election commission or a poll watcher, whoever it may be, right? coming over to you and being like, yo man, who you voting for? Well, I can tell you for me, I've been like red, but they, I mean, we can assume that they were like, no man, vote, vote for Joe Biden, right? Because these are very heavy democratic led cities, right? And you see this over and over again when we're going through these issues of where this evidence is. It is in strongly, like, like very, very strong democratic strongholds, like Detroit, Pens- um, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Phoenix, Las Las Vegas. Those are all very, very strong, strong Democratic-held areas. And so it's funny when you think that like all this could just be like a fluke that it only happened in these areas that we know of. And so you can assume that because it's very, very strong Democratic-leaning or led that these people that work for the Voting Commission are more than likely Democrats. So I'm 
I think it's safe to assume that they're probably not over there going, hey man, vote for that orange Cheeto puff. You know what I mean? Like, I doubt that's going, what's happening. She's instructed not to ask for identification. Um, I don't know where in the hell that's not like a good idea. I know when I voted, they asked for my identification. They ran it against a list. I had to sign a list. Like, it was actually very, very thorough. How the hell do you know who's voting if you don't ask for identification? You could have illegals voting. You could have felons voting. You could have people not registered to vote voting. Hell, you could have freaking Canadians coming down from Canada into Philadelphia voting. But you don't know because you don't ask for identification. Right? She says she observed people coming in to satellite locations that already requested absentee ballots. That is very, very similar to Pennsylvania, right? I'm sorry, going back you, to the idea, you got people coming from like Canada into Detroit and you never know, not Pennsylvania. But the idea that you're not, that people are coming in asking to vote after they've already solicited an absentee ballot, that goes straight back up to that incident in Pennsylvania of double voting, right? Like, so they come in, they ask for a they want to say, I want to vote. They say, okay. And then they send in their absentee ballot later or before, who knows? She was instructed to not invalidate ballots or check them for discrepancies. Well, that is a completely against the law. Like, there's no other way to say it. Like, you have to check the signature. You have to let people see the signatures. You have to make sure it's not ripped. You have to make sure it's not, doesn't have stains on it, that it's actually written. Like, all of these safeguards to, to stop what's happening right now, uh, you're supposed to not do that, right? Like, that makes no sense. And then the fact that on November 4th, she was told to, well, if you receive any ballots after this that were dated, say, November 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, whatever, because we all know like, Michigan was counting ballots forever, right? Like, that is insane that they're changing the date, right? But there, according to Rudy Giuliani, there's 220 affidavits in the Michigan case that all say similar things. Like, it's not just one person. This isn't just one like single incident. This is um, affidavits being signed by hundreds of people. So inside that same lawsuit, there's a affidavit written by Zachary Larson, who is a private practice, an attorney who is in private practice. And in September 2020, he volunteered to serve as a poll challenger for Michigan and the Republican Party's election day operations, right? Supreme Chief goes about how he was taught the proper way that elections should be held and that poll watchers should be um, doing their duties and how to challenge it and things like that, right? So in his affidavit, it says, when I arrived at a counting table and began to observe the process, I noticed immediately that part of the process that was being implemented did not conform to what I had been told in my training and materials that I had received. Specifically, the information I had received described the process that was supposed to be occurring at the tables as follows. A first election would scan a ballot. If the scan did not confirm a voter in the poll book, the official would then check the voter against a paper copy, otherwise known as a supplemental poll book. The official would then read the ballot number to a second election official and hand the ballot to that official, who would remove the ballot while still in the secrecy sleeve and confirm the ballot number. The second official would then hand the ballot in the secrecy sleeve to a third official who would tear the stub off the ballot and place the stub in a ballot stub envelope, then pass the remaining ballot to a fourth official. The fourth official would then remove the ballot from the secrecy sleeve, flatten the ballot to ensure it was capable of processing, and visually inspect for rips, tears, or stains before placing the ballot in the ballot to be tabulated box. However, if the fourth official identified a concern, 
she would place the ballot back in the envelope and into a problem ballot box that would require additional attention to determine whether they would be processed and counted. A copy of the diagram that I had received on this process is attached to Exhibit A to this affidavit. What I observed immediately was the secrecy of the ballot was not being respected. Instead, the second official at the table where I was observing was repeatedly placing his fingers, or her fingers, into the secrecy sleeve to separate the envelope and visually peek into the envelope in a way that would allow her to visually observe the ballot and identify some of the votes cast by the voter. Sometimes a third official, whose job was merely to remove the stuff from the ba ballot, would likewise remove the ballot from the secrecy sleeve or otherwise peek to observe the ballot. Sometimes the ballot would be removed completely from the secrecy sleeve and then placed back inside and passed along this process. I conferred regarding this issue with another challenger at a nearby table, and he indicated he had observed similar irregularities regarding the use of secrecy sleeves. When the challenger raised the issue with the supervisor, and he was immediately asked, why does it matter, in quotes, and, in quote, what difference does it make? Beyond the legal requirements for maintaining ballot secrecy, both of us were concerned that the violation of the secrecy of the ballot that we witnessed could, could or were being used to manipulate which ballots were placed in the ballot problem ballot boxes. Like, are you serious? Like, so that is, that is a signed sworn affidavit, right? From an American citizen saying that while he was watching this, he saw what he believed to be some form of voter interference, like ballot interference, voter fraud, right? And when he brought it up, he was told, why does it matter? What difference does it make? What difference does it make is that there's a good chance that you were sorting those based on the voter information and who the voter voted for rather than on if there was actually any issues, right? So this is what the Trump team has been trying to say is that there's grave amounts of that. Forgive me, I gotta have my coffee, right? So I don't know for that instance, right? In that affidavit, how many ballots he saw, how many he witnessed, right? But we can say that it's safe to assume that it happened to one, like one challenger, it happened to other challengers and to other challengers. So another witness says that on 4.30 a.m. at a Detroit center, a truck arrived. And that's gonna be on November 4th. They thought it was all the poll watchers and ballot counters and all that, thought it was food, so they run over to it. The truck was found to be full of mail-in ballots and trash cans, cardboard boxes, plastic bags, which seems 100% legitimate, let me tell you. Nothing tells me that votes are more legitimate when they come in trash cans. So they thought that all the poll watchers had left, except for two Republicans, that's the only ones that remained. And those two Republicans said that all the ballots they could see had Biden's name on it. And not only were they not, like not only was it just Biden's like name on it, on the vote, it wasn't down ballot votes. So there was no like Senate vote on there. House vote on there, House rep vote on there. There was no other vote. It was not a down ballot vote on either side. It was just the president's, like only the presidential vote. Um, along with that, none of the envelopes had signatures on the outside or vast majority of them did not have signatures on the outside of them. If this is true, that, that would be an indicator, at least for me, and I think I agree with Rudy Giuliani that these thousands of votes that came up were like that because they were rapidly produced. They didn't need to sign it because they didn't expect there to be any poll watchers. They were just gonna scan those in, right? They were just going to continue to scan them in hopes that nobody saw it. My question is, is like I said, 
if they are legitimate, why is there only Biden votes? And why was there nothing for Senator House members? You're telling me that thousands, hundreds of thousands of people only voted for the president and nothing else? I don't believe that whatsoever. All right, so moving on to Wisconsin. So in Wisconsin, there's a 20,000 vote difference between Biden and Trump, which is actually very, very small. Any margin of error on either side and any like changes in the vote could swing that in either person's direction. But Wisconsin has very strict voting laws, according to Rudy Giuliani, and that those laws do not necessarily like mail-in ballots. So in Wisconsin, in order to get a mail-in ballot, you have to solicit, like you have to apply for it. They're not just handed out. Remember in all these large democratic cities and all across America, mail-in ballots were just being put into Americans' mailboxes, unsolicited. And like I said on the show the other day, I could just walk over, grab that ballot out of my neighbor's mailbox, vote for Trump, send that in, sign his name, and if there's no one checking it, and there's no like safeguards for that, that could just go in as a regular ballot when it was actually fraudulent. So in Wisconsin, you actually have to apply for a ballot. And the way that it works is, is that if you send in a mail-in ballot, that mail-in ballot is in um, ran against a list of all the applicants who applied for a mail-in ballot. If your name is not on the applicant list, that vote is cast out, right? Well, in Milwaukee, there were 60,000, at least 60,000. And in Madison County, there were at least 40,000 ballots that did not have applications with them. 75 to 80% of them were for Democrats. So if this is true, if any number of those 100,000 votes get found to become illegitimate, it is very, very plausible that Wisconsin could be flipped and overturned in a win for Trump in Wisconsin. That is very, very true. Um, according to Rudy, there's also a petition being filed in Wisconsin. I am sorry, I looked everywhere I could for that petition. And I looked on the Clark Court's website to figure out exactly what Rudy was talking about so I could give it to you guys, but I was not able to see it and I could not find it. Um, Rudy doesn't tell you what the name of the person is or anything like that to look it up. But nonetheless, Rudy said that there is a new petition in Wisconsin that said that there are no observers, like observers were not allowed in, there was backdatings of ballots, and overvotes. And so overvoting is when, let's say there, you have like 80% turnout. No, let's say that your voter turnout is 200%. That means you have double the amount of turnout than you do votes. Like how do you, like registered voters, how do you have every single voter theoretically voting twice? Or how do you have double the amount of registered voters voting? That doesn't make any sense. Unless A, you have illegitimate ballots, felons are voting, illegal immigrants are voting. You have like, who knows, like a list of all the people that could not be on a registered voter list, people who are not registered, right? All of those people give rise to that. And that is a very similar issue that we saw in Georgia. And the reason why those two Republicans had actually had a hard time like, and didn't want to certify the votes in Georgia because of the voter turnout. that they, they thought it was, it was way too high and it didn't make any sense. So according to Rudy Giuliani, 80% or more voter turnout is actually considered an overvote. Like you don't normally see that many people vote. So when you have like 200%, 150%, 300% voter turnout, that should definitely, 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 definitely to any rational human being raise some form of issue, right? And so 
that is a huge issue and I think that that is one of the best like prima facie like examples of voter fraud is that you have a state or county where you have an increasing number like your voter turnout is so large that you're seeing double your registered voters triple your registered voters like that that to me screams some form of voter fraud all right so rudy then goes on to talk about there's more lawsuits coming in georgia and more than likely some in arizona he also said that they're watching new mexico very closely um i looked today and i have not found that georgia lawsuit it just may not have been filed yet it may not be on the court's website so we'll look forward to that see what and maybe tomorrow or the next day, see if we can figure that out and find out what they're alleging and supporting with their evidence in Georgia. All right, so after Rudy spoke, Sidney Powell, another member of Trump's legal team, got up and started talking about problems with the Dominion voting system. I'm not gonna dive very deep into it because to me, I didn't think there was a lot of sufficient evidence to support their claims, but just noteworthy of what she is saying. Um, she's saying that there's statements from people saying that the, the Dominion software and the system were inherently made to switch votes and to like overturn elections. Um, another said that the software was created at the behest of the Venezuelan dictator, Hugo Chavez, to ensure that he won the election every single time. I don't know if any of them are true, I do not. But I think that if they are true, that raises a very, very, very serious issue with not only this election, but all of the elections that have been going on through the lot since we started using that Dominion system, right? Um, towards the end of the news conference, the Trump's administration's single legal advisor, Jenna Ellis, gave some damning remarks to the media. And I actually was very, very happy. As I was sitting here watching it before I like recorded the show and everything like that, like I couldn't help but chuckle. Like I actually kind of laughed. Like I was like, wow, it's nice to see somebody actually calling up the news and the media besides those of us that do podcasts and things like that, right? Like just openly calling them out. Um, she goes on to say that they're not going to do this in the court of public opinion, that people's opinions don't matter and the facts of that matter. And that is 100% true. Here she is. This is the court of public opinion right now. We are not trying our case in the court of public opinion because if we were, we would get unbiased jurors. I would strike 99% of you from the jury and I would be allowed to because of the fake news coverage you provide. You are not unbiased jurors. And until you step out of your role as a journalist and actually go into a courtroom and you are a judge on a bench that has sworn an oath to be unbiased in our separation of powers, then your opinion does not matter. The facts matter. The truth matters. And if you are fair reporters, you will cover that fairly and appropriately and you will allow coverage of our media. Like, it, like that, is, that is literally gold to watch. Like... That right there, Jenna Ellis, you did a great thing yesterday and I support it, all right? So the reason that elections are held the way that they are is to stop exactly what's happening. The Electoral College was created to stop the kind of like absolute like corruption that we're potentially seeing here. And that mail-in ballots opened the door for that, right? So she goes on and showcases a reason why the republic, like why we are a republic and not a democracy. And she invokes the founding father, Alexander Hamilton, and what he said about the electoral college. Here it is. To manipulate.
manipulate the outcome of the election, especially with who they called our chief magistrate. I would encourage all of you to go home and actually read Alexander Hamilton's Federalist 68 and see what he described as an advocacy position to adopt and ratify the electoral college and the process by which we select our president. We select our president through the electoral college not because it disenfranchises voters, but because it is a security mechanism for exactly the type of corruption that we are uncovering. So like I said, the reason that we have the electoral college is to stop this corruption, to kind of be a safe, like she said, a safeguard, a mechanism to understand, like to not to understand, a mechanism to stop widespread voter fraud, to stop widespread voter irregularity. Like there will always be voter regularity. There always will be. There will always probably be voter fraud because it's just more than likely going to happen when you have 159 million people trying to vote in an election, right? And I think that it's funny that there's nothing from the FBI and nothing from the D DOJ. Let's say all of these allegations are false, right? They still have a duty to investigate it. Like the only way that you prove that they're false is to investigate them which brings you to wonder why the Democrats don't want it investigated. Why are they so worried about it if the election was fair? They should, like if the Democrats won the election fairly, they should be screaming for these investigations to go through. They should be supporting these, these investigations to go through because they should want to prove to the American people that they didn't cheat the election. So in an article from New York Times Today, it's quite clear how they're trying to rush like certifications and like the electoral college voting and all of that before an investigation can be done. So an article from the New York Times says, Georgia officials are still on track to certify President-elect Joe Biden, Joe, Joseph R. Biden Jr.'s victory, which he's not the president-elect. I don't care what you say, New York Times, you're wrong. In the state, after a staffer mistakenly sent out a statement saying the process had not been I'm sorry, saying the process had been completed. A surreal last minute glitch in a critical and closely watched battleground state. We had a staffer sent out the wrong press release, said Jordan Fuchs. Fuchs. I'm probably sure I'm not cussing. It's F U C H S. Fuchs. Fuchs. Sure. Georgia's Deputy Secretary of State. Ms. Fuchs said that her office absolutely expected to meet the 5 p.m. deadline for certification. The certification will ensure that Biden will receive the state's 16 electoral votes and deal a blow to President Trump's bid to overturn the vote in a half a dozen battleground states. And with it, the national election that Mr. Biden won decisively. Okay, first of all, you, Biden did not win this decisively, okay? Absolutely not. You're seeing some of the closest numbers in battleground states in history, right? Like, this was not a decisive victory for the Democrats. This wasn't a decisive victory for the Democratic Party as a whole. The Democratic Party lost seats in the House. They did not take over the Senate majority when their, their like presidential nominee is like poised to take the election. So this was not a decisive win, right? And it's it's absolutely incredible that the New York Times, like that wasn't a quote from somebody. That was the journalist who wrote this article. The certification will ensure that Mr. Biden will receive the state's 16 electoral votes and delay blow to President Trump's bid to overturn the vote with in half a dozen battleground states. Like, does that sound objective journalist to you? Does that sound like a journalist that is 
100% for the actual like truth and honest integrity of the election. So I find it very, very funny, like I said, how the left has been afraid that Trump is going to steal the election and that this is something they've been promulgating since like 2016, right? That Trump stole the election then, he's gonna do it again in 2020. But then they pushed this use of like mail-in ballots, which have proven to be easily like fraudulent and very, very susceptible to voter fraud. But then they use the same thing, right? They push this idea. So why would you push a system that is known to be fraudulent if you're worried about the other party stealing the election? So I looked back and I found an article written by the New York Times themselves that openly admit that mail-in ballots um, are at an increasing risk for the potential voter fraud. So in 2012, New York Times wrote, the trend, I'm sorry, in 2008, 18% of the votes in nine states likely to decide this year's presidential election were cast by mail. That number will certainly rise this year, and voters in two-thirds of the states have already begun casting absentee ballots. In four western states, voting by mail is the exclusive or dominant way to cast a ballot. The trend will probably result in more uncounted votes, and it increases the potential for fraud. While fraud in voting by mail is far less common than innocent errors, it is vastly more prevalent than in-person voting fraud that has attracted far more attention, election administrators say. So that is the left, like the left mainstream media eight years ago admitting that mail-in ballots and mail-in voting are susceptible to voter fraud. And so here they are today saying, no, don't, there's no way that we have any voter fraud. There's no way that any of that could have happened. The hypocrisy is like absolutely hilarious, right? Like it's just, it's overwhelming. And it's just like, I sit here, I read the news, and I read articles, and I surf, and just look at the headlines, and I look at like, the media saying it, and I just, I can't help but laugh half the time, right? All right, guys, so there it is. Like Rudy said, people can say what they want. They can say that those that wrote the affidavits are lying. They can say that they're not true, but what they can't say that there is no evidence because they just laid out the evidence. They laid out like snapshots of the evidence that they're going to produce in court, right? And if I was a Democrat, I'd be concerned about it. I would, like. If all of this is true and it is widespread as they are claiming it is, that could be very, very detrimental to the election, right? So now it's up to the system and the courts when they take it there to decide what's true and what's not. All right, guys, so that's it for today. Just a reminder, use the code AJEZ20 at checkout and nine-line apparel for 20% off, support an American hero and a company that supports those heroes. Um, I'll leave the code down in the show notes show notes below, along with all of Adam's social media accounts. Go over there, show him some love, follow him. He's a great dude, awesome man, all right? And he deserves every single follow and support of the American people as he continues to do what he can for us, right? As always, the full video episode of this will be on my YouTube channel. You can find that link below. And as always, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I hope you all have a safe weekend, and God bless.